Welcome to Live in the Feast. I'm Jason Resnick, and for the past decade, I've been helping businesses translate their goals into online success as a freelance web developer. In order for me to accomplish my why as a freelancer, I needed to live in the feast. Now I'm turning the tables around so you as the freelancer can do the same and build a sustainable business to achieve success so that you can ultimately live the kind of life you want. If you're thinking about specializing your business, whether you are a solo owner, a freelancer, an agency, this episode will walk you through each and every step of niching down. This is something that I've worked through a few times in my own business and have had coaching clients go through this as well very successfully. We'll find your target customer that has a specific problem that you can solve over and over again, then work through the process of vetting out that niche and then go out and define the process for you to land that first specialized client. This episode is sponsored by Feast. Feast is the roadmap and community built for freelancers like you looking to take their business to the next level. You didn't become a freelancer and start your own business because you wanted to work more, right? Want better clients? Command higher prices? Build recurring revenue so you can stay out of the famine for good? Feast will help you focus and remain accountable through coaching calls, community, an exclusive mastermind group, and a ton of resources and tactics that work for today's market. Head over to res.com feast to check it out. And while you're there, take a look and grab the free lesson and the KPI spreadsheet, which I use to track my own content marketing. Howdy feasters and freelancers. So all of the episodes up into this episode, this season has been focused in on marketing. This episode, however, is going to be a little bit different because we're going to take it a step back, right? This really honestly should have been the first episode, but hey, this is episode eight, right? So podcasting's tough, <laughs> Marketing for your freelance business can be tough though too, because you need to define who it is that you sell to and what you're selling to them. This season, you already heard Chris Marr and Chris Ducker, the Chris's I like to call them, talk all about answering the questions of your target customer and serving them. Lee Jackson, Ruben Gomez, and Brennan Dunn dove deep into some sales strategies, tools, and areas of focus when it comes to marketing your business. Then we had a conversation with Sarah Dunn, who's actually going through this process right now, where she's specializing her web agency. And she shared a lot about her ups and downs, as well as the struggles she had navigating the waters, trying to figure out exactly what her specialty was for her web agency. I also struggled with this, especially when I first started to specialize or niche down. But in 2013, I started to think about specializing my business, not because I saw other people doing it, not because I wanted to become that go-to person or that expert in my space. It was because I was getting married. See, I was getting married in 2014 and I essentially wanted to take off for three weeks. 
Plus, I knew that ramping up to the big day, there would be all these random days where I would need to take off to do the things that needed to get done for the wedding. I became extremely stressed out, almost to the point of burning out. I got to a point at which I felt that all I was doing was really focusing in on chasing down that next project and not making much movement for my business other than keeping it going, effectively treading water. And I knew that I couldn't sustain that, nor could the business be sustainable enough for myself and my wife. I got to a point where I was so overwhelmed with it that I told my soon-to-be wife that I was going to go back and get a full-time job. You know what she said? That's not what you want to do. I know that, and you certainly know that. Don't worry about it. We'll figure out a way to get through it. I mean, could you imagine? Yep. Guys, I landed a winner. (laughs) But all seriousness, though, just having that voice of support there was enough for me to stay through it and figure this thing out. Right. So it led me to think about sales and what my business would look like after I took all this time off. And I was smart about scheduling projects out. So I wasn't really concerned with the days and weeks when I returned. I was more concerned about the couple of months later. I have to find processes in my business to go out and perform lead generation and sales. But with me being away, I would miss those opportunities during that time. And these missed opportunities would affect my business two, three months after we had already been back. So after talking with some people that I respected in the industry, looked around at the space my business was in, which was web development, I saw that people who had specialized their business in some way didn't appear to be in the hamster wheel of always having to look for that next project. From afar, anyway, it seemed as though they had plenty of sales coming to them. This was really the start of my journey in specializing my business for the first time. Now, I've gone through three major shifts in specializing my business. But for this show, I'd love to be able to walk you through some of the processes and how to do the research around specialization that worked for me and for other folks as well. I think you know the answer to why you should niche or specialize in your business, but let me elaborate and hopefully shed some light. I always like to use the analogy of doctors when describing this because I think everybody can grasp it. So your general practitioner is someone who you go to when you have a cold or you're sick, right? You oftentimes want this doctor, this general practitioner doctor, pretty close to you by way of location, someone who is reasonable in cost, and ultimately someone, if they retired tomorrow, you probably could find someone else pretty quickly that would do the same thing. Now, if you needed brain surgery, how does all of those things change? First of all, you want the best, right? Even if you have to travel a little bit, you'll go out of your way for that you probably wouldn't even consider cost as a part of your consideration in choosing your brain surgeon. I mean, there's a drastic difference in mindset here, right? When you niche or specialize, more than a few things become wildly apparent. First, you become efficient in what you do because you continue to do it time and time again. Every time you do something, you get just that bit faster maybe even find better ways of doing things. You also learn something each and every time you do 
do that same thing. Which brings me to number two. You'll learn the ins and outs of that specialty. You will learn about the customers, the industry standards, how things are done, and more importantly, the language of that specialty. Third, you become that expert. As you solve that problem over and over again, you are the expert. And as that expert, you can command higher fees and prices. But most importantly, and finally, it's a lower risk to the lead to buy from you versus someone who is general. That lead wants the best. If they truly understand their needs of their project and aren't looking to just keep up with the Joneses, they're going to look for the best. When you need your car fixed, you aren't talking to a carpenter, right? I mean, maybe unless it's your best friend, but when you want your extension to your house, you get to talk to that carpenter. You're not necessarily going to call your mechanic, right? Because the lead knows what it is that you do and that you have solved this problem for others, you are a lower risk for them to sign with you because you have a proven track record of success. Ultimately, that's why you niche. That's why you become a specialist so that even before they meet you, have a phone call with you, you've already sold them to your track record of success. So how do we get that proven track record, right? Let's talk about the first step in choosing your niche. This is where I think you may get hung up the most on. So I'm going to walk you through an exercise that helped me and that I use with my coaching clients to this day. This will be the very first step in figuring out your niche. I want you to pull out a piece of paper. Yep, paper and pen, please. We're not going to be using anything that you plug into a wall or turn on. I want you to take that piece of paper and fold it in a half across the middle and then fold it again in half. Now unfold it. You should have four quadrants. In the top left quadrant, I want you to list out all of the clients and projects that you've enjoyed working with in the past. Just list the names, nothing more. If you don't have client yet, then list out those pet projects that you have worked on. Maybe some side things that you did while just working your full-time job. Or list those ideal projects that you would like to work on. Think about how impactful the project was to their business. Think about your interest in the industry of your client. Think about how much you would want to do more like that kind of project. What about the people that you worked with did you enjoy the most? In the top right quadrant, I want you to list out all of the clients that you didn't enjoy working with. Remember, just list the names here. Think about why the project wasn't as successful as it could have been. Why was it not enjoyable to work with these clients? I'm not necessarily saying they are bad people, right? It just might have been a project or someone that you really just didn't jive well personality-wise. In the bottom left quadrant, I want you to list out all of the common elements and reasons why you chose the clients and projects in the above quadrant. In the bottom right quadrant, list out all of the common elements and reasons why you chose the clients and projects in the above quadrant. You should have by now a nicely filled out piece of paper. 
Now in each quadrant, I want you to put down a number from one to five next to each list item. You are now going to rank each one by putting a number next to it. The higher the number, the more important it is for you. Now, I'm not saying that you should only have one through fives. Don't, you don't need to make it unique. If you have all fives, great. If you have all ones, great. But you should probably have a mix, right? Then once you're done, put it aside and don't look at it for the rest of the day. Come back tomorrow and review it. Does everything still line up? Is there anything that you want to add or move around? Maybe change some of those important numbers. What you now have is a working idea of a niche. At the very least, you should be able to clearly see those things that you do not want to work on and the types of people that you do not want to work with. On the flip side, what should be standing out to you is some basis of industry and a problem that you're solving for someone that you enjoy doing. With this piece of paper in hand, it's on to the second step of your specialization process. How to say no. This is the first step we are going to focus in on. It's the right side of this piece of paper. This is where you listed all of the things that you do not want to work on and the types of people that you don't want to work with. When you start to specialize, this is the best place to start. Once you've identified what it is that you don't want to do, then stop doing it. It sounds simple, and it really is just that simple. The very next lead that comes to your desk and requires you to do anything in the right two quadrants, say no. Don't get me wrong. I understand how hard it is the very first time you say no to something that you can do, have done in the past, and can be paid for it. But it's very liberating to know that there's something that you can do but say no to. And it's liberating because there is more work around the corner that is more of a fit for you and your new business direction. Even if that next gig isn't your full-blown end game specialty. It's a step closer to it because you've made the time to do work because you said no to the work that you just don't want to do anymore. And that's the luxury about owning your own business, doing the stuff that you want to do. It's not about finding and launching yourself into a brand new business direction all at once. It's the incremental changes you do in your business, the testing you do in your business, the small steps you take in your business to progress forward that gets you to your goal, your specialized business. Like I said, I've gone through this process a few times now. And each time it actually gets easier because I know that there is work on the other side. Saying no allows me to be a bit more selective of who I work with, what sorts of projects I can make an impact on, and know that I'm delivering such an awesome value that I'm respected for and don't have to have battles over why I'm a better freelancer than their last one. So now you've gone ahead and said no and have the time for saying yes. How do you know that the yeses will be valuable, that they'll be profitable, and that they'll actually be good clients? The best research is to talk to people. This is step three. Yes, I know it's not the most ideal for a lot of us introverts, but to be able to vet your niche, you need to start from the ground up. Since you've said no to some of the leads coming through, 
this is the time to spend exploring the other side of the page. First thing and easiest thing to do is to schedule quick 10 or 15 minute calls with anyone that you mentioned in your top left quadrant. These are the clients that you've worked with in the past that you enjoyed working with and want more like them. So let's have a conversation with them. Start out by sharing with them why you enjoyed working with them in the first place and being able to have the opportunity to work on their project. Then just jump into some quick and easy questions. Things like, how is the business going? Every business owner loves talking about their business, right? So you start getting them opened up to this conversation. Then you ask them simply, what made them decide to choose you over someone else? And then ask them, is there anything that you could be doing better? As you wrap up the conversation with them, find out if they know anyone like themselves that has a similar project or a similar problem that you can help them with and that you would appreciate a quick introduction. Now, if you don't have any past clients in that quadrant because you're just starting out or you haven't worked with anyone that you really enjoyed yet, you can still do this. You should have a list of projects or industries or companies there. Go to meetup.com and search for local meetups based on those topics. Search for that company online. See who else is in that space. Find events that these companies attend and see if you can get a ticket to go. Take the above three questions with you and start up some conversations. To make it a little less overwhelming, just go to the event and have three or five conversations at a minimum where you get these answers. Keep in mind that since you haven't worked with these folks before, you want to reposition the questions a little bit, right? Instead of what made the decision for you to choose me, you'd ask something like, what would be the most important thing you would look for in someone to solve your problem? Instead of what can I do better, you'd ask something like, what, if any, issues did you have with the person or company that you worked with in the past? Obviously, I'm paraphrasing here because I'm trying to make it at least somewhat general for you to get an idea of what to ask here. You'll want to ask these questions that make sense for what you're asking about, right? Your service. But these are essentially the questions that I used when I did this myself. And now I did both of these things, both past clients, conversations, as well as going to local meetups and events. This isn't easy. It wasn't easy for me. I'm not a social butterfly, right? But the more people you talk about this, you'll start to see and hear patterns and you'll get to learn the language they use when they describe their own problem and solution. Not to mention, you'll get more and more comfortable using their language back to them and be able to have intelligent conversation and get deeper into that conversation. In episode five of this season, Brennan Dunn talks all about how high-touch sales worked so great for him, right? He figured out through these sales conversations the trigger points that they had, the language, the struggles, and the solutions for all of his clients. Only then he could craft the benefits of his solution and present them at scale in emails and on his website and even paid ads. These conversations are critical to finding out how valuable a specialty is. In episode four, Ruben Gomez talks about listening to someone's response to a question. Do their eyes light up? Are they excited? Do they even pull out their wallet and hand you money right there? Or are they just responding to your question in the positive because 
Well, they don't want to make the moment awkward or disappoint you in any way. If it's the latter, then ask them what it would take for this to be a no-brainer for them if this issue was solved for them. Here's an interesting side effect of having these conversations. This will lead into you getting work over time because you are now talking about that one thing and starting to lay the groundwork for being the expert in your specialty. Which brings me to the final step of this process. How to do the research and land that first client. It's time now to put into practice what you've learned from all of these conversations. I want to walk you through six steps so that you can land that first client. You should see patterns emerge in the responses that you have now. First, make a bulleted list of the struggles or issues that you were told by either past clients of yourself or of other service providers from folks that you spoke with at these events. From this list, grab a few of the top issues and search Google, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Quora for all of those issues. As much as I don't like being on Facebook, if you are in some business groups on Facebook, these are great for finding out the struggles of other businesses. Spend a morning, or hopefully you have a process in place for doing your sales currently, spend that time doing these steps and see if there are more folks out there with similar issues or the exact same struggles. Don't worry about how old the posts are unless you haven't seen anything in the past 12 or 18 months. You may want to create a spreadsheet with links to the posts and dates of when you responded just so that you can go back and follow up, which leads me to that second step, which you probably guessed, is to respond to those people expressing their struggles and issues. Ask them if there's anything that you can do to help. Don't worry about making the sale. Just see if they respond. The third step is go back to your previous leads that didn't become clients with you for whatever reason and look through them. See if in your notes, emails, any correspondence at all where they've encountered these issues. As you look through them, why did they become a lead in the first place? Sometimes when you're a generalist, you turn down work that is very specific because maybe it's too complex or requires some more education than you're willing to put the time in for. Then send them an email to ask them about their struggles and if there's anything at all that you can do to help. The fourth step is really to be patient. Look, folks tend to complain online in the heat of the moment. Unbelievable, right? Well may not respond to you right away, especially if some time has passed. If you can, set up alerts using a tool like Zapier to send new posts your way that are related to your searches. Now, I've talked about this process in the past and how well I've used this. If you want more information, you can go on to my website, res.com for that, or just reach out to me and I'll be happy to help you out with that. Fifth, if there's a specific technology involved or a specific product or topic, head over to Google Trends and put that in the search bar. If there's an uptrend over the past 12 to 18 months, great. If there's a pretty even trend, great. But if there's a downward trend, maybe this is something that you want to reassess. Lastly, look at your list of leads and responses that you've landed. See if you can further define the scope of work even more. Once you do, 
then present it back to them and see if they'll bite. If they do, great. You've got yourself a valid lead, a prospect that is ready for a proposal. In fact, you've basically built out your first viable niche specialized service. Let's say over the course of this, you have, I don't know, 50 or 100 different people and companies who you've spoken with or corresponded in some way with. How many people have responded back? How many of those people can you get on a call or pitch your thing? Can you land maybe one, two, five new clients from this first test of your market? Obviously, it depends on your bandwidth, your availability, your service. But if you can land one or two, then you've moved in that direction towards your specialty. Look, it may not seem like a lot, but you need that first step into it. As you learn from all of these interactions, talks, and the projects that you get, you'll position yourself better for that next round. You'll start to build a library of case studies related to that specialty. And more importantly, remain on track because you have focused your organic sales around a specific market and away from being that generalist. I know that this was an episode filled with information and steps. I hope that I was able to break it up into sections for you a little bit. But if you want to really see the outline of this, head on over to res.com slash 208 and you'll see all of the steps outlined in the show notes for you. I know you're in a different place in your journey than say myself or another freelancer, and that's okay. Share with me on Twitter, at Rez, where you are in specializing your business. What stage are you? Are you just thinking about it? Are you struggling with where to focus your skills on? Are you not landing any clients? Let me know, tweet at me, let's chat. Until next time, it's your time to live in the feast.